Fly ball deep left field. Back to back, father, son, home run. And they're on their feet here at the big A. How about that? Yeah. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired This is The Fire Pit, hosted by Matt Janella. Can you hear me? Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. Go lower left and hit start video. Mr. Grippy, this is Alex Upegi and Rex Lint, my, my production team. These guys have been the backbone of all my travel stories for the Golf Channel for the last seven years. My condolences. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you understand our pain. Yeah. <laughs> are those gold Those are literally gold gloves behind you. How many gold gloves? Uh, there's a total of 12. <laughs> I've got 10 from, from 1990 to 99. And then I have two. One was the one of the best defensive players um, for the first 50 years of Rawlings Gold Gloves. And the other one is uh, Gold Glove for the decade. <laughs> That's damn good. Okay, settle in. Stoke the fire. Because today we're catching up with Ken Griffey Jr., He's seventh on the all-time list of home run leaders with 650. And in 2016, he was inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame with the highest voting percentage ever. We're talking to the kid about his father, about being a father, playing golf with Tiger and his father. And we're revisiting one of the most memorable moments in the history of fathers and sons. What's commonly known as, quote, we finally did it. Towards the end of the time I had with Junior, I asked him what stat he was the most proud of, which I'll get to in a second. Throughout this story, for perspective on Griffey Junior and Senior, fathers and sons, and the back-to-back, I called Tom Verducci, Sports Illustrated's senior baseball writer, three-time National Sports Writer of the Year, as well as a studio analyst for Fox Sports and the MLB Network. Verducci wasn't surprised. Junior told me that he was most proud of 12 gold gloves because it meant he was the best at his position and it was representative of the way he played the game. One thing you remember about the gold gloves too, voted on by coaches and managers. So that's not a popularity contest, not like all-star voting. It's not like even an MVP where a bunch of writers like me are getting together and looking at stats and deciding who's the best. These are people with the knowledge and wisdom of how the game is played and who does it the best, coaches and the managers. So, you know, that resonates a lot with someone like Junior who grew up around the game, understands what baseball, who baseball lifers are all about, what's important. So, yeah, I mean, there's an old saying that, you know, you never take your offense out the defense with you because, you know, sometimes you can have a bad day, you'll go for four, but you can still win a game if I do something good on defense. And I'm sure Junior lived that every day. Not that he had too many bad days at the plate, but um, 
he was consistently great on defense and center field. Absolutely. I interviewed Griffey a few weeks ago as he helped us tell the story for episode three of The Fire Pit, which was about Alan Shipnuck at the age of 21, writing a 1994 cover story for Sports Illustrated when Junior was just 24. We pick it up now where we left off last week. Cover of Sports Illustrated, was that significant to you? Uh, I think the only issue that I really looked at as a kid was the swimsuit issue. <laughs> uh, no, Guilty. I, Guilty. Yeah, I grew up I grew up where my dad didn't want me to really look into sports. Um, he wanted me to do everything else. Um, you know, and that was that was part of him. I mean, I had a a talent show one year and I imitated, I was in the fourth grade, I remember this very well. I imitated every stance from the Cincinnati Reds. And I got off stage and my dad looked at me and said, you are my son. I want you to be my son. I don't want you to imitate anybody. You do you. And from that point on, it stuck. Um, he said, you're not me. You know, and you're you. And I want you to be you. Those names have been taken. It was something to see. And a very pleasant good evening, everybody. This is Dave Niehaus at Anaheim Stadium. The back-to-back -back home runs by father and son. It may never be seen again. Three things your father taught you. Work hard, be accountable, and don't make excuses. Solid. Yeah. If you did it, you did it. One of the great things about baseball is what? The connection between fathers and sons, right? Traditionally, it's a game that's been passed on and I'm not dissing any moms out there because they play a huge role. But the tradition of the game is passed on from father to son, playing catch in the backyard, right? Your first introduction of team sports traditionally has been baseball. The dads are out there raking the field, managing the teams. So that bond between father and son, I believe, is strongest in baseball. My dad would always ask my mom, is he really that good? Because he never saw me play. And then wow. when he did see me play, I always struck out because <laughs> I'm trying to hit the ball 500 feet. Uh, my first hit with him uh, watching rookie year, well, I just got drafted in instructional league. He's sitting in an RV and he's always told me, just pretend I'm your mom. Just pretend I'm your mom. And I finally got a hit and he opens the window up and he goes, now, was that so bad? And then he drives off. <laughs> <laughs> Little history made here last night at the Big A with father and son going back to back. And with all the emotions that's been racing through you two guys the last two weeks, it seems like it couldn't get any better, but last night it did. How'd that feel? It felt real good. Uh, you know, after I hit mine, I was uh, hoping that he got a good pitch to at least, uh, you know, try to drive it somewhere. And the way the ball was jumping out of this ballpark, if he got it up in the air, he had a shot of getting it out of there. And when he hit it, I said, yeah, it's, it's out of here. I got to see a guy who hit in front of me that I look like and just basically say, here it is. You know, I watch him set up pictures. We talked about, you know, strategies. Like if, if he got a curveball, the first pitch, I knew I was going to get a fastball and vice versa. But they always gave, you know, the 38 year old guy to fastball and, you know, and they always buckled down. They're like, I'm not going to let his son get a hit. I was like, 
And I was like, why are y'all so demanding? You know, you let him hit. But then I also told him, I said, for 17 years, you protected me. Now I get to protect you because he batted second, I batted third. He wasn't really my dad when we got to the ballpark. He was my teammate. Mm. And he was able to separate that. Now, when we got in the car on the way home, I had to hear it. <laughs> he was a dad second when we got. So that made it a lot easier when he, mm. he told me, he said, hey, this is your team. You know, I played in World Series, but this is the highlight of my career is being able to sit in the same dugout, wear the same uniform and actually play mm. with my son. Did your dad tell you uh, he was proud of you a lot? Every now and then. You know, it's a dad thing. You know, they can't let everything out of the bag all at once. He just looks at it, you know, you know, this is my son. You know, he deserves everything he's got. I don't need to bother him. And I'm like, uh, we're going. And I have to tell him, like, we're doing these things. And he's like, okay. And then he does them. And he's like, I had a blast. I'm like, uh, yeah, you, you, you're supposed to. The raising me is over. It's time that you can enjoy father and son moments. Uh, he brought his highlight reel from high school football. And he was so proud of it. And my boy, two boys looking at it like, which one are you, Grandpa? And it's like, and all you hear, you can still hear the projector going like that. And he goes, I'm that guy. And then he's like, he scored a touchdown. He goes, and I'm that guy. And they go, no, you ain't. <laughs> Let's look at the swings one more time. Junior, I want your description of your swing quickly. Quick. Look at it, head on the ball. All right, Dad. Mine is just a little quicker. Uh, quicker? I, I just uh, <laughs> oh. hit the ball a little further, and, you know, I get out the box a lot quicker. <laughs> you stand five feet in front of the box. What I'm not sure I ever realized is that Ken Griffey Sr. was a great baseball player and maybe the ultimate teammate. He had an 18-year career. He finished with a batting average of 296, 150 home runs, 859 RBIs. He was a three-time All-Star, and he won two World Series rings with the Big Red Machine in 1975 and 76. Again, we hear from Verducci. I think of a guy, I knew him a little bit when he was playing with the Yankees, a little bit later on around the Reds. I think he was coaching for a bit there. Um, but he always had a smile on his face to me. I, I think he loved what he did. Uh, I thought he had a great perspective. I never saw him sweat the details. Baseball is a really, really hard game that gives you many reasons to fight yourself or the opponent. I mean, the success rate is really low. The best players, of course, at about 300. That's a lot of outs. But I never saw Senior like in a down moment. Like even if it was a really bad loss or a bad night for him, I just saw someone who had a complete joy for the game. Going back to my dad, that's what he taught me is, I didn't know if my dad went over for four for four, he never brought it home with him. You know, and I'm trying to teach these kids that, hey, it is what it is. You can learn from it and you can move on and we can get better, but, we're not going to dwell over a game. And that's the thing that, you know, I try to teach my kids is no matter what life is adjustments, baseball is adjustments, football is adjustments, golf is adjust sports are about adjustments and you can't get frustrated about making those adjustments. And so we just live by that. Just take the good with the bad. Don't try to get too high and don't try to get too low. Griffey Jr. and his wife, Melissa, have three kids, Ken Griffey III, 
who goes by Trey, he's 26. Taryn, his daughter, is 24. And they adopted their son, Tevin, who's 18. Well, I, I tell my kids all the time, I'm a normal dad with an abnormal job. That's it. If I didn't hit a baseball, would people really care? No, but I can hit a baseball. But to you, I am dad, and I always will be dad. And I always tell my kids, I want to be known as your dad. Hey, you're Trey's dad, you're Terrence's dad, you're Tevin's dad, not, you know, hey, you're King Griffey Jr.'s son, you're King Griffey Jr.'s daughter. I want, I want it to go the other way. The best thing we can do is keep passing it on, right? Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things that, that over the years you, you, you have to do. You know, I tell my kids, everybody's a genius at something. It's up to you to find out what it is. <laughs> and that's it. So you've got to find out what you're really good at. And it may not be sports, but you've got to find it yourself. I can't, I can't want it any more than you. I just want you to be you. Experience in youth, it's always uh, an argument over uh, which is more valuable, the strength of youth or the experience of the veteran player. Which one came, came through last night, Junior? Mine. But whose went farther? Mine. <laughs> it is still unbelievable. What's the relationship you guys have as it relates to golf, you and your dad? Have you been on, do you, do, have you done trips together? Did you, did you have matches? Are you competitive or is it a hang? I call this GFFF. That stands for Griffey Force Family Fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, usually the boys in the golf cart with my dad and about hole number four, they start ordering food. And then by hole 14, they're done. And then by, then when we go in to eat, at the 19th hole, they're still hungry. So that's usually, my dad plays about eight holes of golf. <laughs> at one point, he was a 10 handicap. You know, he could move it around. The connection between father and son, I mean, it, it, the bond there is so strong. I think it's a shining light for the game of baseball because the game does like to promote that bond. And what's better than the two Griffies? I mean, what was it, about 40 years where if you were watching baseball, there was a Griffey playing somewhere on a field somewhere? It's amazing. I tell you, the one thing that, was a big highlight for me and him as we got to play uh, with Tiger and Earl. Oh, it was a great day. I mean, did you play against each other? Did you guys have a match? Like, was it father son, father son? No, no, it was uh, just it was just us playing golf, and it was one of those days that you sit there and go, "That was really cool." Isleworth or where was Isleworth? It was at Isleworth. He actually Tiger was like he was like, uh, "Where's your dad?" I go, "He's right down the street." Well. Uh, Pops is playing. You want to play? See if you'll play. My dad said, yeah, he'll come over and play. And it was one of those days that it couldn't have been any better. The weather wasn't hot, wasn't humid. And I was, you can still hear Earl teaching as we're playing. Wow. Did you ever help Tiger uh, sort of uh, with the stardom and the fame and the the pressure uh, that he must have felt at some point? The only thing I told him to do that was to go see Michael. Um, Michael at that time was the, the biggest star in, on the planet. And <clears throat> I said, you know, as a baseball player, I got a uniform, I got a hat, I can hide. You're in street clothes. <laughs> you can't hide. Being that we were all Nike guys, they were able to reach out to MJ and that's how they met. Have you played any more golf with Tiger over the years? 
you know? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen him in a couple years, but uh, you know, I, you know, I think he's dodging me right now. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a certain certain things. Now, nah, uh, you know, um, when he moved from Alworth to Jupiter, you know, I get to see him every now and then. But uh, no, but he dodged. He, he dodged me. I'm about to set up a a friendly game. <laughs> Which leads us to the game. It was September 14, 1990, a fall Friday evening at Anaheim Stadium. Top of the first inning, Harold Reynolds, who led off for the Mariners, had drawn a walk and was on first base. Ken Griffey Sr. was at the plate. Junior was waiting on deck. Fly ball sliced to fairly deep left center field. Debo White back to the track, the wall, makes the leap, and the old man has done it. One more time, fly away. Run trot, yes, yeah. 3-0 pitches hit deep into left center field, and Bishop will look up, and father and son have hit back-to-back home runs. My, oh my, it's that in your baseball history book. Not to be outdone, says Junior. His 20th of the year. And Junior can also hit a fastball. This one's away, and he shows a little more strength. He hits it to the opposite field. Bichette goes back, but you can see that's well over the left field wall. Well, that brought Marcel Latchman, the pitching coach for the Angels, out in a quick hurry. Say it was measured at 388 feet, and there's the <laughs> the smile of a proud dad, but he still got to get on him. The biggest moment is back to back, but I didn't realize that until I was 38 years old and I started passing these guys on the home run chart. And <clears throat> I got to Frank Robinson, I remember. Um, and I passed him and I'm touching home plate and all I could think of was my dad sitting in a dugout after we went back to back home runs because he understood the place in history. I'm 20, not understanding a damn thing other than uh, we got a game to play and he's over there like, hey, you know what we just did? I was like, yeah, we went back to back and I'm like focused into the game. He's over there like, you know, we just went back to back and he's like trying to talk to me and I'm like, I'm here and I'm focused on the game and I didn't realize that. So after the game, I called him. I said, now I understand. He goes, well, you know, I was 38 when it happened, and now you're 38 when it happened, so you can understand. What do you remember? What did he hit out? What did you hit out? Uh, we both hit fastballs. Um, he hit his straightaway center. He's rounding the bases. I'm walking up, and he shakes my hand. He goes, that's how you do it, son. <laughs> and I gave him that look like, I can't believe he just did that. And... Um, my account was 3-0 and they gave me the green light to swing and I actually uh, fastball away I hit it out and I ran around I couldn't wait to get in the dugout couldn't wait to and he made me shake everybody's hand before he shook mine and then we sat down next to each other and that's when you, you'll see us in the dugout that's when we started laughing because he was like you know what you did I was like yeah he was like we went back to back I was like yeah uh huh uh he was like you could laugh and he elbowed me <laughs> Listen, if I wrote that story and presented it to some movie studio, but I got this great idea. You're like, get out of here. We don't want to hear it. Nobody's going to buy that. 
wait a second, the dad and his son's the youngest player in the league at 20? And they're going to go back to back, not in the backyard or in a wiffle ball game. Big leagues. It's crazy. I, I still, I think it's one of the more underappreciated achievements because let's face it, we're never seeing that again. Who was, do you remember who the pitcher was? Oh, yeah, I do. But no, 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 no. Because everybody asks you who's your first one. And I'm like uh, Eric King and uh, nobody asked me. Was it Brad Honest? I don't remember. 14 pitchers gave up home runs to both Griffey Sr. and Jr., a list that includes Dennis Eckersley, Oral Hershiser, Jack Morris, and Rick Sutcliffe. But only one gave up back-to-back. We had a lead on Kirk McCaskill, but he didn't make himself available for this podcast. McCaskill who was a fourth-round draft pick by the NHL's Winnipeg Jets, played professional baseball for 12 years for the Angels and the White Sox. He won over 100 games. He's in the Canadian Baseball's Hall of Fame. And he was most recently the varsity baseball coach at Torrey Pines High in San Diego. Some of the worst mistakes a pitcher can make are if you've got a batter 0-2, right? You should put him away. He gives him a home run, a senior, at 0-2. The other mistake you should never make is 3-0 and and assuming the dude at the plate is not going to swing. So now it's 3-0 and on Junior. You know, you know as soon as his father hit the home run, what's in his mind, whether it was 0-0 or 3-2, in this case 3-0, he's not letting a cookie pass. So he jumped all over that. So in some ways, I feel bad for McCaskill, 0-2, 3-0, he gives up two bombs. Uh, but listen, that's a pretty cool thing to be connected to. I it's shocking to me when I asked Junior, uh, do you remember the pitcher? He was like, no, I don't. <laughs> he remembered the pitches. He knew they were both fastballs. He knew his count and he knew that he got the green light. He knew that they lost the game that Dave Winfield also hit two home runs that game. And that, that pissed him off. Uh, but he d- didn't remember the pitcher's name. That doesn't surprise me because I don't know what year it was. It was he was early in his career. I did a story on Junior, and part of it they came to Yankee Stadium. I've covered the uh, Mariners through a series against the Yankees, and I think the cover was the natural, something along those lines. He made an amazing, one of the best catches I've ever seen in that series. Kind of ho hum for him, but he did it all the time. But I remember teammates telling me like before a game, and he again he hadn't seen a lot of the league yet, and the league hadn't seen a lot of him. He didn't ask a lot of questions about who was pitching that night. In fact, there was one game where I think Burt Blylevin was the pitcher for the Twins. And somebody, he said, who's pitching tonight? Somebody goes, Blylevin. And he said, is he a righty or a lefty? Dude's a Hall of Famer going to the Hall of Fame. But that was junior. It's like, just tell me what time the game is. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, that's a lot of talk about fathers and sons, specifically this father and son. But it's certainly worth mentioning that Griffey's mom, Alberta, deserves some credit for raising the kid. Well, I will tell you this. My mom was a lot tougher than my dad. <laughs> um, you know, uh, because she's there. And I was 12 years old. And I had a lady heckling me in the stands. I'm 12. You're not as good as your daddy. You suck. Your daddy sucks. And, and she was just going off on me. And I worked, I walked the first two batters and she decided she wanted to just go after me. My mom stood up and said, hit the next batter. 
So I drilled him. And my mom stood up, looked at the lady again and said, look, I'll have him hit the next one if you don't <laughs> shut up. We call this podcast, it's called The Fire Pit. Because this is where people, you get together and tell good stories, listen to good stories, reflect on the day or the trip. Or, do you have a favorite fire pit? No. No. We're in Florida. <laughs> it's hot everywhere. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Janella, your host of The Fire Pit. As a listener to this podcast, my friends John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham at Link Soul in Oceanside, California, are offering you a 25% discount on all future orders of what I consider the best golf and lifestyle apparel. Whenever you go to linksoul.com, use promo code MattyG25. In the meantime, make par, not war, and stay safe out there. This podcast is produced by Alex Upegi, edited by Rex Lint, theme song by Joe Horowitz. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured in a future episode. Got a question, comment, or a story for us to track down? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Janella or on Instagram at Matt underscore Janella. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Fire Pit on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher.